Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. I'm Zoe Cunningham. Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. Today I am delighted to welcome Matt and Michael and Harry. Please can I ask you to introduce yourselves, tell us what you do at Software and also an interesting fact about yourself. I'm Matt, I'm a project manager at Software and my interesting fact is that I once hitchhiked back to England at around midnight with some lovely Ghanaian men I met at a petrol station outside of Cardiff. Very exciting. Hello, I'm Michael. I am a technical lead at Software, and I once turned a carrot into a instrument and played it. Oh, fantastic. Like you hollowed it out or, or did something else? Yeah, so I used a, an electric drill to yeah, hollow it out and put some holes in it, and I got a clarinet mouthpiece or saxophone, neither of which are instruments I play, jammed that in the top and played it like a clarinet. Wow. A carrot net, I think, is what the uh, <laughs> call it. Did it make a good noise? It made a noise. <laughs> I think it qualifies as music. It definitely qualifies as an interesting fact, that's for sure. And I'm Harry. I'm a technical consultant at Software. And my uh, topically relevant interesting fact is that the first games that I coded entirely on my own I did not with a keyboard, but with a PlayStation controller. Ooh, that sounds like that could be really tedious. Yeah, especially as I didn't know about various things that exist in coding, like arrays and things. So my code was like rather longer and more repetitive than it needed to be, which made it quite a tedious process to type using an on-screen keyboard and a PlayStation controller. I mean, so were you like moving the cursor around selecting letters in order to type yep, code? exactly. Ooh! Oh, I get frustrated just having to do that with the TV. Is this kind of like the people who complete video games like Dark Souls using a Guitar Hero controllers, <laughs> kind of showing off? It, well, at the time, I didn't have a USB keyboard. So the PlayStation 2, for I believe for tax reasons, shipped in Europe with a version of BASIC available with it, and therefore making it a computer rather than a games machine, which I, I think changed the import tax. But it meant that you could make your own games on it, but only using an on-screen keyboard until I eventually went and bought a USB keyboard, but only after I'd written several games. Amazing. That is a great introduction to today's topic, where we are going to talk about Games Jams. And rather than me introducing it, I think we should just start at the beginning and get our guests to tell us what is a Games Jam. So a Games Jam comes in lots of different forms, but in general is an event where lots of people as individuals or in teams create a game, usually from scratch and almost always within some kind of fixed time frame. So Game Jams can be a day long, 24 hours long, a few days long, sometimes only an hour long. So there's a sort of time pressure there and the goal is to create a new game of some kind. There's a big variety of them as well. Most of them are online. In the before times, some of them, I think there are occasional ones that were in person, but historically most have been online and worldwide. They are normally based around some kind of theme, mainly used as some inspiration, but sometimes it's some kind of limitation, like you have to write a game using only a certain amount of memory or a particular language or a particular platform. There's one going on at the moment, which I think is a game jam based around old Nokia phones. So making a game that has the restrictions of a Nokia 3310. Very interesting. But can you beat Snake? Probably not. Obviously, games are fun and hence writing games is fun. But why do we get involved with that as a software company? 
Well, I suppose, first and foremost, as you already mentioned, it is really fun. But I think we sort of need to look at why it's fun. And for me, it's because making a game is a lot more than just programming, which obviously we do day to day as a software company. So normally the programming you do for a game is very different. It'll involve a lot of learning. The time pressure, some people can find it'll be a source of stress, but people who enjoy game jams tend to find that it's, it focuses you and it really makes you see what's important with your game and what can slip. And it, if anything, it sort of lowers the external expectations of it as well. Because no one expects you to create the next AAA title in 48 hours. It's, it's not going to happen. And you know you're not going to do that. So you can set your own goals and go out and try something new. So the first one I took part in, obviously I'd programmed before, but I'd never worked in Unity, which was the engine that me and my teammate learned while we were doing a game jam. But there's all sorts of other stuff that goes into a game, like the sound. The first song I ever wrote was for a game jam. The artwork, I learned how to animate for that game jam. There's just such a huge variety and new stuff to try out. And doing so over such a short time frame actually makes it quite a low barrier to entry because you don't really have to invest much more than a weekend to try out a bunch of really cool stuff. Yeah, that's very cool. So it sounds like, in fact, it might even be more fun to do a games jam than to be a games developer as your job. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think another reason why, which kind of lines up with that, is that, at least for me, it's a good way to kind of get into the state of flow because in most normal day-to-day jobs or any kind of project where you're working with lots of people, you end up you know, having to think at lots of different levels all the time about your users or the other people in the organization or monitoring or communications, etc., which are all like really important parts of our job. But they do take you away from that core programming loop of, oh, I want to build a thing. Then you build it and then you try it and then you run experiments and just kind of really get focused into what you're building. And with game jams, normally because you're by yourself or in a small team, you can get a kind of really tight loop with that because you are kind of the judge, jury, and executor of what you're doing. Like it's your idea that you're bringing to life and you're not beholden to anyone else to create it. So it's a really nice way to just kind of practice programming and getting back to, I think, a lot of the things that get people into programming in the first place, which is just the ability to kind of create things just from your mind, then be able to interact with them and send them to other people and watch them play with them. Yeah, and of course, if you've got that limited time frame, you just can't make anything complex. So mm. you really do have to do that kind of rapid development uh, in order to get anything finished. <laughs> mm. So which Games Jams have we been involved with at, at Software? And how do we kind of get involved as a team, I guess? There's a very long running Game Jam, which is one of the most popular ones, called Ludum Dare or Ludum Dare, depending on how purist you want to be about your Latin pronunciation which is uh, typically a two or three day jam. It has sort of two slightly different sets of rules and you can kind of pick which set you want to take part under. It's one that Michael and I have both done before a couple of times. Used to run three times a year, I think. It now runs twice a year. And in previous years, Michael and I have taken part and we've sometimes sort of mentioned to other software people, hey, there's this thing happening. Maybe you want to do it as well. But we haven't coordinated and organized, hey, let's all take part as a group thing before. But we did that in 2020, back in April for the Ludum Dare that was taking place then. And we had, I can't remember exactly, I think it was close to about 20 people or close to that involved from software. We just put some fairly light organization around it. So we just had a sign-up spreadsheet. People could say what kind of things they were interested in doing. You know, programming 
graphics, music, art, project management, which was one of the other skills that you kind of learned through doing a game jam. And maybe like game engines they were already familiar with or things they wanted to learn in particular. And then we just had a big kickoff session on Discord over voice chat on the Saturday morning. So it's a weekend game jam. And we just brainstormed game ideas based on the theme, which was seasons, I think, for that leading dare. Yeah. We brainstormed lots of ideas and we sort of fairly naturally through the combination of the ideas that people kind of latched onto and the kinds of sets of tools and skills that people wanted to work with fairly naturally grouped into teams of two or three people. And then each of those teams went away and created a game together, working together as a small team. And we sort of checked in with each other. We all came together like a couple of times a day over the course of the weekend just to sort of see how everyone was getting on and provide a bit of help and support across the different teams. Mm, Very nice. So it's not just about finding people to be in a team with, it's actually then all the teams can kind of like support each other and cheer each other on. So if someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, hey, neat, I want to go and do some of this, what do you need as an individual if you want to get involved with the Games Jam? Pretty much having a computer is the minimum requirements for that. Although, as Harry's demonstrated, if you want to use a PlayStation 2, (laughs) or some other unorthodox medium that can probably work as well if you're ambitious. If you are entering just by yourself, then you are going to have to either be familiar with some programming language or be willing to pick one up over a a weekend. Game jams are also a good opportunity to just try out something new for the first time. So even if you're not familiar with programming and you just want to have a bash at it, then it's the perfect vehicle for doing that. And there are lots of good guides or example projects you can just download and play with for a weekend. That's a totally valid use of a game jam. If you are working in a group, then you probably don't have to do any programming. If you would rather do some design or art or story or just kind of bouncing ideas off, those can work as well. I've worked in groups of about two or three of us where one person was a dedicated designer or some people just kind of they only had a few hours, so they just popped in now and then and play-tested and brainstormed ideas. If you're individual, you need to have a a few more extra skills, I think, core programming skills. You don't have to have art or music skills. There's a lot of free assets out there, and most game jams will point you towards some that you can use in your project. So if you just want to focus on one part of it, that's totally legit as well. Amazing. So I think it's time for like the big reveal that how we've developed as a company from just taking part in games jams is that we actually organized our own games jam and how did we go about that so after the lull and bear that harry was talking about earlier we got a lot of positive response from that and a lot of people were like i want to take part in something like this again so we basically took this idea and we're like well we don't actually need the lull and bear part of it <laughs> so we we wanted to keep it at almost a bit friendlier because people now don't have to go out and put their things publicly on the internet if they don't want to. They're just sharing it within software. And so we tried to keep the format as similar to that as we could because it worked before and people enjoyed it. So why change what ain't broke? But in true software fashion, we had to over-engineer some part of it. So in this case, a key part of a game jam is a theme. And often these themes are are voted on rather than just decided by the organizer. And as one of the organizers, I certainly didn't want to impose a theme on everyone. So we ended up making a bespoke website just for 
people to suggest themes and then to vote on those themes. Once that went through, I think we had something like 90 theme suggestions in the end. There were a lot and quite a lot of people went through and voted on every single one of them. And when all of that dust settled, we ended up with the theme of Make a Nest, which I quite liked because a good theme will be open for interpretation. So on day one, for example, we all got together before we started and we we built this massive collaborative mind map with all 20 or 30 of us that were taking part because no one had decided what game they were going to go with yet. We just all spewed out ideas and then broke up into teams based on them. And people were talking about maybe we should make some kind of idle clicker game where you build a nest egg. And some people were like, well, maybe we should take it literally and you're just a bird trying to build a nest. Like, you can get a fun game out of that. One person made a really cool game. It was sort of like a factory simulator where you had to deliver eggs using conveyor belts to nests. That was great. We got this. We did it over a weekend, the same as London Dare. We were allowed the day off on the Friday for anyone taking part from morale. And with that, people produced some awesome stuff. It was great, great spirit. We met up over Discord over the weekend because obviously it was still during a national lockdown, so we couldn't meet up in person. And at the end of it, everyone came together, showed off their games in a big call, and then we just um, shared links to it on our company forum with everyone introducing the game, showing what they'd done. And honestly, there were some people that I didn't even know had been taking part over the weekend (laughs) because... Rather than wanting to be in all the hubbub of everyone on Discord, they'd rather just go away, spend a bit of time with their weekend, and then they came back on Monday and like, yeah, I made this game. I think there were quite a few people who were saying, yeah, I'd never tried game development before, but I, I joined in on this and I had a great time, and here's the game I made. I certainly went through and played all of them, and I thought they were all amazing. Wow, it's just so cool. And what did we, like as a company, what did we get out of it? Why is everyone a better software developer now? They've they've been through a games jam. <laughs> I think you do learn a lot from it. I think I think there's two there's two aspects to what you get out of it. So one part of it is just having those cool games at the end. Like I think it's as as I think Michael said earlier, like it's a very creative form of programming and something that I like about it. In contrast to perhaps some of the other things you might take part in, some of the other kind of coding competitions or things you might do, where you might have a thousand different teams all solving the same problem. Uh, With a game jam, if you have a thousand people taking part, you get a thousand completely wildly different games coming out of it. And I think that variety of creating something new and just having a new idea that you've started building and turning into something is a really great thing to get out of it. But also you do learn a lot through doing it it is great experience you learn a lot about prioritization <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I think it's worth mentioning like it, this was something I made the point of, of kind of laboring quite a lot when we, when we did the first the Ludum Dare that Sophia took part in it's like you don't need to do a kind of flat out downing coffee working round the clock thing for this like you can just choose to spend your you know normal hours on that weekend when you're not sleeping or eating or, or doing any of the other commitments you have on a game. And if that's only six or eight hours over the weekend or only three or four hours over the weekend, you can still do something in that time. You just need to set your expectations accordingly about about how far you're going to get. So it really teaches you to kind of 
we talk a lot about you know iterative software development and building an MVP and then iterating on it and all these things. And if you've got that really extreme time pressure, you really learn how to do that. Mm. And the advice that I, I was giving to the teams during the first game jam was like, first day, focus on getting to a thing that is a game. And then the second day is polish. Mm. And that sort of broad division of the time kind of really helps you focus and decide is is this leading me towards that goal or should I leave it till later and helps with those kind of skills of like managing your priorities and your backlog and your and what you're spending your effort on exactly and so then you can use that second day catching up on the things you didn't quite fit into the first day but at least you've still got it <laughs> yeah you when we talk about this in agile software development right you, you always have a thing you can ship so you get to that point as quickly as possible and then you can you can refine it and add, add cool shiny things on and make the artwork better and all of these things it's also been a very good vehicle for people to pick up things they haven't tried before a lot of the things that we would pick up are probably things that not aren't things directly related to our day-to-day jobs so we don't work with unity much for example but there are lots of other things like being able to create graphics or sound maybe picking up new programming languages Uh, i think some people have used game jams as a reason to dabble in rust or other things which they're not familiar with that's the kind of thing which it might be on your like to-do list for a long time it's like oh maybe i'll spend an evening or a weekend playing with that thing over there and you never get around to it because it's just one of a million things that's that's on your list and you never have a reason to pick it up but a game jam is a really good motivation to pick up that kind of thing and use it with like some kind of goal in mind rather than just like reading some rust documentation for the hell of it it's a lot easier if you have some kind of end goal in mind to really focus on what you need to learn now to get there it's a different type of learning, isn't it, to be learning to make something rather yeah. than just trying to learn for the sake of learning. Mm-hmm. So I really want to know, what are some cool games that we've made in Games Jams? In our internal one, I enjoyed the kind of Flappy Bird triathlon. I can't remember what it's called, but it was like three different mini games, kind of all bird focused. Build a nest, obviously. So there's a kind of Flappy Bird round and a memory round and then some kind of angry birds like egg shooting round and it kind of got harder and harder as you went along and the difficulty curve of that was just right to completely hook me in i never quite finished it i was getting very frustrated with the, the final levels i'll have to go back and sort that finish that one day a very popular one the, the one that actually won the vote for best game in jam for until one was a game made in RPG Maker where you play as a bird and the, the person who made the game had recreated our entire office inside RPG Maker and had just filled it with inside jokes and you had to sneak around and find things to build a nest inside the storeroom we've got. It was honestly incredible how much stuff he'd managed to pack into this game in a weekend. I had a great, say, 45 minutes or so going through trying to get everything in that. That's so cool. Are there games that like other people would have heard of from Games Jams or like games of note that have come out of Games Jams? Yeah, there definitely are. So people might have heard of Mini Metro, which is the sort of tube map based management game where you're simulating being a very stressed tube operator that originated from Illudum Dare. There's also a couple of the kind of really big indie games from the last few years have originated from game jams so celeste which is a kind of puzzle platformer game and kind of very speed based 
originated in a game jam for what's called a fantasy console called the Pico 8. So it's not a real game console. It's kind of made up one with its own language and its own limitations. But the, the idea of it is to kind of focus you to build a game in a very small limited environment. So you've only got a small number of pixels to work with. You don't try and draw beautiful 3D artwork. You have to build something that's kind of as if it was going to be on a, a Game Boy, but I think with a few more colors. And that got turned into a, a kind of fully fledged indie game. Hollow Knight is another one that originated in Ludum Dare, I think, I don't know, seven years ago as a completely different game. And at the time it got, it didn't get very good votes because <laughs> it was quite a bad game. But the people who made it kind of created this character, which they really liked. And they ended up using it to create a completely different game, which ended up winning like huge numbers of awards. And I think it's got a sequel coming out soon as well. Okay, fantastic. So it just remains for me to say, if you're listening to this podcast, get yourself to a Games Jam. You don't need to know how to code. You can draw pictures or write music or write the storyline for the game. And it's immense fun, as uh, we've heard from Matt, Michael and Harry. Thank you all so much for coming on the podcast. And please listen to Software Tech Talks and follow and subscribe Software Tech Talks on SoundCloud, Spotify and all other podcast apps.